Well, happy Hope Day, everyone, and welcome back to Life Works Better with Coach Mel. And hostess Clarissa. Yay. Man, what an amazing day. Yes, it is. It's beautiful. Blue skies, bright sunshine. Yeah. It's a great day to enjoy some Principio products. Mm-hmm. Now, I just brought yours up. Uh, I didn't even ask Liz what it was this time, so it, it's kind of the mystery beverage. It, oh, it's an amazing mystery beverage. Okay. It's good. What I taste is vanilla and oat milk. Maybe okay. she's put a few more things in there, but I do, I, I'm feeling the vanilla. I think that's what's in there. Yes, wonderful. I mm-hmm. am having a maple caramel oat milk latte. Mm, oh, that's delicious too. Oh, I love is. caramel. It, it is yes, it is it is so good, and of course everything, all the flavorings that we have in Principio are all natural, mm-hmm. uh, nothing uh, nothing artificial, Mm-mm, not at all, not and even artificial respiration. It's all divine inspiration. Divine, it's great. <laughs> I love it. Yes, um, PrincipioCoffee.com. Let's yes. yeah, let's get into it. It's a uh, uh, and actually Principio uh, hosted a women's conference this weekend. Yes, and we're gonna do it again next year, and it's gonna be bigger and gooder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what I liked about it is that people were introduced to Principio for the first time and mm-hmm. loved it. Yes, loved it. I enjoyed um, doing that. It was really great. I was one of the uh, speakers, and I was the MC for the program. But and um, oh, did a was, great job. Thank, thank you, Coach. Yes. Thank you. It was great. In uh, our basket, uh, she gave us a kind of a parting gift for the speakers and such, and we had Principio chocolates. Come on. <laughs> it was great. I gave a piece to my mom, which was her first time experiencing it. Loved it. So it was really, really a great conference, and Principio really uh, just did an amazing job uh, in being the sponsor for that. So it was really great. Yes, yes, thank you. We mm-hmm. we enjoyed doing that, and uh, so I I didn't really say uh, when I had just a few moments to speak on on Saturday. Uh, I didn't say something that I really wanted to, so I'm going to say it here, mm-hmm. and that is that uh, the the ecclesia will never be what it was meant to be until women are liberated to do everything that God has called each of them to do. Mm-hmm. And when I say liberated, I mean empowered yes. and, and uh, assisted in every way. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially working in uh, developing countries, mm-hmm. I saw quickly that uh, unless women were empowered, that everything that we did was, uh, was, was just going to be very limited. And so one of the things that we did as Principio Missions, we started turning towards uh, empowering women. Mm. And it, it, it's been a beautiful thing. And I, 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 love, uh, I love empowering women because uh, I think one of the main reasons is because of a powerful woman in my life, and that's my mother. Yeah. That yeah. I had a chance to visit with again last week. Oh. She's going on 97 this summer. My pearl. And we had a listening group in her home. Oh, wow. And she sat there for two and a half hours mm. and just soaked it in as uh, seasoned believers and new believers and seeking people who were seeking belief right. all gathered in a living room and just listened to each other. And it was a beautiful time. And when it was over, and mom never said a word the whole time. And at the end, I said, Mom, we're going to have to find another place to meet because you're just too noisy. Mm. <laughs> You know, I have found um, 
some of the most brilliant people um, know when to speak. And they don't have to be the, the, the instrument of vocals all the time. Sometimes their silence speaks volumes. You know, that's what mom told me uh, many times. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of speaking, <laughs> we'll reserve this speaking of not speaking for another. Um, oh, another podcast. I tell you what, how about we just maybe one day just do a silent 30-minute podcast. Mm, that would be interesting. <laughs> quite interesting. Well, you know, Coach, quiet uh, anyway. Quiet, yes. But you know, I wanted to go back to something you said. I had the pleasure of going through Principio Life Coaching. Mm-hmm. And um, my class had men and women in it. And, you know, you didn't treat us any different. You know, we were students. Mm-hmm. So male, female, didn't matter. Um, you treated us equally and you empowered us equally. Mm-hmm. And so what I've learned about empowerment is that the only way you can empower anyone is that you have to give power away. Mm. <laughs> That's good right there. Where's that drum roll? Yeah. Oh. How about the audience? I tell you what, it Thank takes you. them a little while, but Thank you. Thank when you they do much. wake up, yes. <laughs> yeah, but that's, yes. it's so true. You can't so. empower without giving away power. Yes. It's impossible. And, and, and uh, so many, uh, many so-called leaders mm-hmm. want to hang on to their power. And, um, you know, that is, uh, if, you, if you want to exert power without giving away power, that's called enslavement. Mm. Whoa. If you want to exhibit power without giving away power, it's called enslavement. Mm. And uh, which is a, a, an excellent segue into our story today. Wow. You know, when you said that, I thought about Hitler. Yeah. Think about all kind of uh, dictators and autocrats mm-hmm. and uh, egomaniacs. Mm-hmm. In, in, uh, in places of leadership, of nations around the world, all the way down to living rooms, in homes where people are afraid to treat someone else mm-hmm. truly as an equal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, that, that's the, uh, the power of story. And life works better with story. Mm-hmm. And the story we're going to talk about today is the story in the story of the ecclesia. Again, not to be confused with the history right. of the church. Mm-hmm. But the story of the ecclesia, those who have a heartfelt connection mm-hmm. and those who hear in their heart mm-hmm. the call mm-hmm. of the shepherd. And they know that's my shepherd's voice and I'm going to follow him. Mm-hmm. So in the story of the ecclesia, there is one specific uh, story that always stands out to me. And it's the one we get to talk about today. And I've been looking forward to it okay. for a long time. And we're going to talk about the, the person and the concept probably for more than one story time. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, was, uh, it was so far-reaching. So this story begins with a young man who lived uh, about 450, 500 years ago. Uh, he was born in uh, northern Europe to a middle-class family. Mm-hmm. And uh, his, uh, his father had, uh, had great 
hopes that uh, that his son would uh, would become a lawyer. And so he sent him to school uh, to study law. Mm-hmm. And so this was a, a obedient young man, and so he was following his father's desires. And so uh, on one trip back home, uh, he, he was a, of course the school was quite some distance from his home, so he lived at the school and and I just went home occasionally. And on one of his trips back home, he was uh, he was riding a horse. And he came uh, through the mountains, and um, he came into a, a, a very strong thunderstorm and lightning all around. Mm. So he got off of his horse, and he got on his knees, and he promised that, uh, that he would give his life to ministry if God would spare his life in that electrical storm. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he made it. He made it back home, and they were all so glad to see him but they weren't glad to hear about his promise. And so against his father's will, he then went to uh, study theology. And in that process, he started a personal journey. Mm. And he had a difficult time with the head knowledge of theology and the feelings of his heart of forgiveness. And and he it really bothered him that he that he could give a definition of forgiveness and he knew all about uh, the great teachers in, of the church and he knew a lot about the organization. He was learning a lot about the organization of the church of the time, which was the Church of Rome. Mm. Uh, it was the only recognized, organized state of religion in his time, basically in all of Europe. And he, he just, he had this... Uh, he said that the that the few inches between his head and his heart were as far distant as the east is from the west, mm. and he just he he struggled with with uh, with having that uh, the feeling of peace and the feeling of forgiveness, even though he knew a lot about it, just theologically, and so that that led him on a very uh, long journey. He even went to Rome once and he climbed the the stairs just this long uh stone stairway in rome he uh on his knees on his bare knees in freezing weather just to uh just thinking he had to do something to find that peace to just show god that he was serious Mm -hmm. and he said that with bloody knees he stood up at the top of those stairs Mm feeling just as guilty of a sinner as when he started. And everything that he saw in Rome just pointed to to uh, organization and pointed to things that were glorifying men and men that had lived in the past and men that were present. And, and it just it, it broke his heart. And so he went back to Germany. And he would not leave his... Uh, his superiors alone. He just kept on, man. I just really, uh, I. He was almost like in a state of depression because he couldn't. He couldn't get that breakthrough for, to, to be able to be like the apostle Paul mm-hmm. on the road to Damascus, and he he just it never did happen for him. And so he kept on. And so finally, one of his superiors said, uh, "Young man, uh, just take whatever books you want to take." And go to that tower up there, 
and I don't want you coming out until you get some satisfaction because you are driving yourself and me and everybody else here crazy. So this young man uh, took his uh, a Bible uh, because he'd already lost confidence in other books, quote-unquote, of theology. He took his Bible up to this tower, and he, uh, because he had wanted to be an attorney, and he had he still had this this legal razor sharp mind, and so he started reading in the book in the New Testament that is uh, one of the most organized treatises that has ever been written in all of literature. And we overlook this many times because it's a book in the Bible. We've talked about that some. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, we might just add this to the list. Life works better with great literature and just yeah. talk about. That would be great. Yes. <laughs> that would and, be great. You know, because the um, graph of life, not the graph of life, it was another test I took that um, it was about the gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, sp- uh, seven spiritual gifts. Yes. It, the book. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Um, I just saw it in my mind, but some of that oh, identifies the pathways. the pathways. Yes, and so some people that's how their that's their form of worship. Yes, is literature. Yes, and so I think that would be a great <laughs> series. Yes. Uh, so anyway, he stayed in that tower for uh, 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 I don't know how long. I never have read exactly how long, but he he opened his Bible to the Book of Romans, and he began reading. And he made it down just a little ways in the first chapter. And it was a verse that Paul used quoting an Old Testament prophet from Haggai. And the verse he quoted goes something like this, depending on your translation and all that. That those who are justified will have been justified by faith. Mm. And they will express that in their life. Uh, some translations just have it as, as short as the just shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. But just the expansion of that, uh, just the idea that that verse, and especially from the Old Testament, mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that those who are justified will have been justified by faith, and they will express it with their life. Mm-hmm. The just will live. They will express mm-hmm. it. It will be something living in him he realized then that what he was missing was something living in his heart. Mm. He, he had something logical in his mind, but he had nothing living in his heart. And then for that young man, it was like he literally he saw the light. And it was like, oh, dear God, I believe yes. my faith <laughs> It's not what I do. It's not everything that can be done. It's not even what anyone else has done for mm-hmm. me except Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, what he has done. He was the only just one, and he's the only just justifier. And those who are truly justified depend on his justice. Wow. And so this young man named Martin Luther came from that tower, and he came a converted man. And then he not only started seeing the Bible in different ways, but he started seeing other things that were going on. Mm. And I, I want to, uh, I, I would love for this, this story, Life Works Better with the story of Martin Luther. I, 
Chris, I would really like for this story to, to, to free people to follow their heart in seeking God because there has never been a barrier so large to stop a seeking heart. It doesn't matter where you are. The Old Testament tells us in Chronicles that the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro throughout the earth looking for those who are seeking him. A seeking soul puts out a spiritual diode that heaven picks up on. Heaven is seeking seekers. And to be found, it's not that we find heaven or that we find God. Right. It's that God finds us and heaven invades our life. We don't invade heaven first. Heaven invades our life and it comes from seeking. And this young man, Martin Luther, is, a, is an excellent story about that. About he was seeking and he didn't give up. And so uh, a particular day that, that has gone down in, in some uh, people's story, it's lived in infamy. In others, it has been uh, very inspiring in many ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, this particular event was on October the 31st of 1517. Some may say, well, how do you remember that? Well, it's kind of easy because that was Halloween, October 31st. And All Saints Day, November the 1st, is a day that's in the church calendar, especially the Roman Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. It's in their church calendar where they they want to give recognition to all the saints that are that they hadn't that no other particular day. See, each day has a saint, okay. and so in the church liturgy, uh, the church calendar, each day, if you follow it, then you read about a saint hmm. in the history of the church, mm -hmm. and so they were like. Uh, eventually they said, well, what about all these others? We, we only have a certain number of days in the year, and we have a lot more saints. So they designated November the 1st to be All Saints Day, and that is that they were just in celebration of all the saints, all the ones that were in the calendar and all the ones that weren't. And so the 31st of October was the hallowed evening, hallow evening halloween hallowed evening hmm. and again just like we uh we celebrate christmas and the birth of christ near the winter solstice which was a time that uh many pagan religions already had a holiday mm -hmm. okay and easter you know around a time when many of the pagans celebrated uh their uh uh, fertility gods and spring and new birth and new life and all that. So we've talked about that some. And so the same with Halloween, October 31st, was uh, a, a day that was set aside by many pagan groups and religions. And so it was already a time that people recognized as a holiday, so the church wanted to take advantage of that, which is has a social implication to it. Right. makes sense. Mm -hmm. So on uh, hallowed evening, prior to All Saints Day, young Martin Luther took a, uh, a printed page. Remember last time we talked about the printed page and uh, Johann Gutenberg yes. and the printing press? Mm -hmm. Well, this was actually a piece of paper that Johann Gutenberg had printed. We're talking about putting these stories together, yeah, huh? Yeah, the connection. Yes. Hmm. And so he... Uh, he, it, it was it was ninety five different points that Martin Luther wanted to discuss, 
and he took them with a, with a little tack and a small hammer. And this was something that was, uh, that was ordinary. Uh, any, any student or professor at this seminary in Wittenburg, Germany, by the way, that is Wittenberg. Wittenberg. Yes. Some people mispronounce it as Wittenberg, but it's Wittenberg. And I mm. can tell you about this because I asked someone from Germany one time. I said, listen, tell me, is it Wittenberg or Wittenberg? He said, no, it's Wittenberg. Wittenberg. I said, thank you. He said, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> So there, there they were in, in Wittenberg. Wittenberg. And, uh, and for the topics that, uh, that someone would suggest to be discussed mm-hmm. in the coming days or weeks, they would actually tack them to the church door, to the frame of the church door, so that everyone, as they went into the chapel each day, they would see what was going to be discussed. Well, Martin Luther tacked those 95 theses. And uh, I love this, this little cartoon that I saw once. Someone comes up and asks Martin Luther as he's tacking this in, mm-hmm. said, oh, are you trying to repair the door? And he said, no, I'm trying to repair your theology. Mm. <laughs> wow. And so it was, uh, he just raised questions. And, you know, the coach in me just really loves this. Each and every one of those was a question. And it was a question about one specific thing, and that was what the church had called indulgences or permits. Mm. And it had devolved to the point that the, that the popes were, uh, were saying that if you pay a certain amount of money, then you get freed from a certain amount of time in purgatory where you would go and, and, uh, and, and pay for your sins. Because uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of quirky, but that's part of a theology. Right. That's part of uh, Roman theology. And so they, they started selling uh, time out of purgatory for greater prices than and, uh, and the popes were taking that and building the, the grand cathedrals and all in Rome. Mm-hmm. And Martin Luther, with his uh, insight in his heart now, not just the logic in his head, really started asking questions about that. Wow. And, you know, those things were never discussed there at that school because someone, uh, some of his superiors saw the challenge that that was going to be. Mm-hmm and quickly sent a copy to the bishop and then the archbishop, but then it went all the way to Rome. And the Pope said, that person must be dealt with because this is a strike directly at our authority. And had it not been for the, uh, for just a different situation at this time, 1517 in Germany, mm-hmm. uh, there had been other people that had challenged the theology and the practices of the of the organized church. Mm-hmm. There had been members of the ecclesia that of the organism that were challenging the organization at other times, and most of them uh, were met with uh, with a, a pile of burning wood, mm-hmm. and they were burned at the stake as heretics. Mm-hmm. But Martin Luther was different, and I'm convinced that God had at such a time as this that He was there, because His ideas were at were at the same time. <laughs> socially acceptable and politically protected mm-hmm. and so it came a time when this this uh, one of the ecclesia there when he was talking about organism and not organization when he was he was able to get the protection that he needed and uh, for his life and the acceptance and the open-mindedness of of the the people mm-hmm. and uh, then this movement that we now call the reformation mm-hmm. uh, started 
And uh, I, I just want to uh, encourage all of our listeners to uh, to really tune in on what you're seeking. Yes. Because you know, uh, seeking has a uh, has a powerful result. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, "Seek and you will find." And knock, and it will be opened. Ask, and it will be answered. Mm-hmm. So that seeking that's in your heart, the, the people we're talking to, someone right now special, mm. that seeking that's in your heart, that seeking for peace, that seeking for truth, that seeking for purpose, keep on seeking because you have the promise of Jesus Christ himself yeah. that you will find. And we must be careful what we seek because what we seek will eventually find us. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, that's the power of seeking. And Martin Luther's story is an excellent example of that. Mm-hmm. And so what he found was not just peace within, but it was a peace that could be shared. Yeah. And it was the peace of God that Paul talks about in, um, in Philippians. When he said, there, Paul said, there is a peace that surpasses anything you, your mind could ever understand. Yes, and you you find that particular peace in your seeking. Yes. I I remember getting a good revelation of that when my dad passed, and and I knew I had to do his his eulogy. And I I was able to find that peace because I was seeking something during that time. I was seeking something that I needed in order to get me through um, the morning and also to be able to operate – in the call of ministry. And I was seeking, but I didn't know what I was seeking. I was just seeking. And I found that particular piece. It's a different, it's different than just regular piece to me. Yes. It, it's something that says, you know, how are you even able to do your dad's eulogy? Who does that? How are you able to get through this and not break down, you know, and not be able to think? How are you able to be strength for your mom? and your brothers during this time, how are you able to do that? How are you able to smile and crack jokes and, you know, and you haven't even had the service yet? How? And it's that, that peace that surpasses, surpasses understanding. It makes no logical sense. Yes. To yes. be able to operate in that form of peace. Yes. You know, that, that idea there and that verse was uh, very monumental in my own story mm. because uh, I'd always been, uh, I love the scriptures and I love studying and uh, things had to had to be scriptural for me. Okay, it was I, I was one of the show me chapter and verse thing mm-hmm. for what's going on here. And I was always uh, careful about uh, a feeling and or being emotional about something or just accepting something because of a feeling that I had because it had to first make sense. And then I found that verse, and it really uh, sunk deeply within my heart. And I realized because of that verse that if everything that I was to enjoy from God had to make sense first, then there was a peace that I would never experience. Mm-hmm. And not just peace, but there are many other things that God has for us mm-hmm. that until we're willing to release uh, our, our, our mind. And, and you know, people have asked, well, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay, to whom? <laughs> Okay, depends. Uh, but in in a way, it does make sense because yeah. when it becomes logical, that logic is not always the best and only way. Mm-hmm. 
to receive things, then it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And and just uh, just a lot of interesting things uh, about that that uh, that go into experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ex- we have experience in our heart, and we have arguments in our mind. And I want to say this, and we'll close with this. This is the power of story. Mm-hmm. That someone with experience will beat someone with an argument any day. And so people could tell me all day long, no, uh, th- this, this kind of thing no longer happens anymore. God no longer does miracles like that. Hey, you, you can talk to me all you want to, but I've been on the mountainside in Pacayal, Honduras, mm. and I've seen an eyeball, just a creative miracle, mm. when, when a group of, of teenagers were just praying for this young man. We saw it happen. Mm. And that young man still there seeing with this newly created eyeball. Right. Okay, you can tell me, give me all kind of reasons and well, all your scripture and all of history and everything else as to why that doesn't happen anymore, but it doesn't. none of that does any good because I've seen it. I had an experience. And try to tell him that. <laughs> can <Yes>. you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So uh, the, the story and, and the power of story uh, and the reason life works better with story, Clarissa, is because story connects us in our heart. And story is not just facts. So our relationship with God must go from just being facts to becoming a story and God's story and my story and your story. You know, Coach, you are always referred to as the master connector because you connect so many amazing people. Yeah, I love that. And the way you connected these amazing people based on the ecclesia amazing it's amazing thank you so guys listen just you know as we say always especially with the series share this uh, podcast to your friends and this series because it's really bringing awareness of the importance of the ecclesia and the difference between an organism and an organization <laughs> so yes. it's really been powerful and, and today has been great and super duper amazing so uh, as always thank you so much for joining us here with life works better with coach mail series 15 guys we're still with the the power and how life works better with story, story yes and most importantly his story so we look forward to seeing you back here next week have a wonderful and amazing week